Blog Talk Radio. This is not what I chose to be the same. Detroit. 
as well. So it, it happens. It. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for those who are unfamiliar, make sure you definitely go uh, check her blog out. It's dope. Uh, for starters, you can start with the interview with me and then just kind of make your way around. But definitely start with me first. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, uh, tonight, uh, tonight we've got a pretty fantastic show lined up for you all. Uh, the first, uh, the very first hour here, we're going to be discussing sex work and uh, a lot of the stigmas and whatnot that come attached with that. Uh, in the second hour, we will be interviewing my brother in Grand Unified and atheist rapper Grip, and we're going to talk about his uh, his upcoming album Ansible, which will be released in uh, a little less than a week, in about six days or so. So uh, it's a pretty fantastic project. It's um, it's really dope to listen to, and you know, like I said, it'll be it should be a pretty fun show for everyone who's out there listening. Um, before we jump into anything, just got a couple uh, announcements here. Um, really, is just one, which is go check the archives. Um, yeah, we've had lots of dope shows over over the course of the past week. Uh, this past Sunday, there was a conversation with Dr. Anthony Penn. Kim hosted that last Friday. Um, Alfred and Carl had a show on moral relativism. Uh, the week before that, there was a show on white and black nationalism in the atheist community, which was also by Kim. A couple days before that, Noah and myself, as well as Raina and our uh, co- our fellow co-hosts here, uh, M and Evil, appeared on their show, the M and Evil Roundtable, to talk about race in the secular community. So... Um, Definitely go back, check all those shows out. They're all fantastic. Make sure you uh, not only download and listen to them, but, you know, share them with other folks and, and uh, you know, engage in these conversations so that we can continue to educate, entertain, and enlighten you folks in this new year. Um, I have a Facebook message. Definitely wasn't paying attention. Um, starting off, uh we're going to we're going to jump right into the the sex work discussion. Um and before we get into anything I'm going to describe um uh, I'm going to give the definition of sex work that we're going to use for the purpose of this conversation right here. Now this was taken off of Wikipedia. So but you know I know that that's not the best of uh best of sources but it's a pretty dope definition. So so we're going to use this so, uh, sex work is the exchange of sexual services, performances, or products for material compensation. It includes activities of direct physical contact between buyers and sellers, as well as indirect sexual stimulation. Um, so, there's all and there's all different kinds of sex work uh, out there. Uh, many folks are probably familiar with it. Uh, you know, stuff like street prostitution indoor prostitution as far as, you know, escorting, brothel work, massage parlor stuff, um, phone sex operation, exotic dancing, lap dancing, webcam nude modeling, adult film performing, and nude peep show performing. Um, so I guess we'll jump, I'll, I'll jump straight, I'll jump straight into this and I'll just toss this question, uh, right out to Noah. Um, you know, why do you think that, you know, sex work in general has such a, a stigma 
you know, is in this country? Like, why why do you think people are so they they look down on this type of on people who who engage in this type of work? I think, well, I mean, if you remember, like historically, also around the time of prohibition, like I was talking about before, there it's just like I don't know. I guess everybody feels like they can tell the people what to do as far as like what they consider to be their own morals. And because a lot of majority of people in this country are Christian, so they think of this as being a Christian nation, and they project those morals, or they call them morals, and their values and their, you know, whatever they consider to be a source of shame onto society as a whole. And so, you know, they try, instead of, you know, legitimizing the job, they just, they criminalize it, and they treat it like it's shameful. But we have a lot of, we have a lot of that going on in this country as far as sexual shaming. So, uh, but of course, I agree. You already know I agree with you hundred, hundred and ten percent. I think I, I think you know people just in general in this country they're they're afraid to talk about sex, and and part of that may have to do with you know how how the older generations were were kind of shy about it. And now, you know, as the the newer generations are coming out and they're growing up, and people are, are you know, they they want to be more free, and you know, they things that folks used to really be care used to really care about, they don't really care about it anymore. And I think a lot of people are still kind of holding on to these these age old ideas of uh, how women are supposed to act, what sex is supposed to be meant for. And, you know, they're just not really receptive to all these, you know, to the fact that, you know, hey, we're sexual. And there are people who want right. to be who are, who want to be open with the fact that they are sexual. And in some cases, get paid to do it for a living. Well, a lot of, a lot of religions, especially a lot of us, many of us grew up Christian, it frames sex or anything sexual as shameful or sinful. Like, you know, all the way from the first story, Adam and Eve, when they discovered they were, when they discovered knowledge and they discovered they were naked, it was shameful and they were told, you know, they were like, you know, we need to cover up. And that carries on, we carry that on. It's like, you know, even when we leave, even when some of us leave the religion, we never, some of us never fully leave those ideas behind because it's tradition. And traditionally, women and their bodies are seen as objects. And it's seen as shameful. There are many things about us. You know, a lot of people consider sex or sexual things to be unnatural and something that should be kept behind closed doors or hidden. And that's another thing that's keeping, that's, you know, that's another barrier to legalizing prostitution or other types of sexual activities or, you know, sexual jobs. Right, because I mean, and, and and you, and I'm sure you, as a black woman, are already aware that there's, you know, there's there's a movement now going on in this country, especially from right wing conservatives who more than who, uh, I guess will say are extremely religious, and there there's a movement out there that they they basically do not want women, especially, to have control over what they do with their bodies. And they don't want them to to have a say over what what they are able to do with their bodies, and that's part of the reason that you know there, there's a lot of these people don't have or uh, don't have uh, good ideas or good uh, views on things like prostitution or even just sex work in general. You know, 
the 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 idea of you doing something because you enjoy it and be, and and doing whatever you want with your body is like a horror that's like a, a horror script to them. They're like, "Oh my god, what is this? What is going on? This is crazy. This should not be happening." You know? <laughs> yeah. They have these these there's these like these rigid roles. And these and there's all these stereotypes about sex workers as far as it not being work at all. And I think it just, I think it's part of, it's an extension of other female-dominated jobs, like, you know, domestic work and things of that nature, stay-at-home moms. Like, you know, my um my guy's mom, she her husband just died, and she was a stay-at-home mom with her kids for the entire time that she had all eight kids in the house. And she only gets half of what he get what he used to get for Social Security because they don't consider it to be a job. Right. So it it's just an extension of those things and a lot of those jobs are part time jobs or are not considered jobs. They don't get the same benefits or the same rights as other workers. So Right. Because they don't see it as work they don't see it as a respectable job. Something that right. they don't see it as something that respectable people, you know, do with their time or that's any something that respectable people you know, would, would willingly engage in. You know, they want sex to be this kind of this kind of secret item that you that you only can that you only you know take out and and play with every now and then when you're supposed to, and not something that you can just do for leisure or enjoyment or pleasure or you know or as a job. Right. Crazy. And that's too in a lot of religions, sex is for babies. So. Oh yeah, true. Very true. Very true. Very very true. And it's, it what's interesting is a lot of the times they'll they'll point to they'll point to uh to, to nature and try to use that as some sort of an argument as to, to why people should only be having sex for procreation. Because they'll look at other animals in the animal kingdom and say be like, Yeah, see, they only have sex when they're making children, therefore you're supposed to. Which is kinda convenient Aren't we because to be they don't really look at Huh? I said, are we supposed to be higher beings than animals, though? Supposed to be, but you know, people, you know, people, <laughs> you know, people will will always pull something out when it fits their agenda or their opinion of, of of how things are supposed to be. Like, you know, they don't really care about animal rights, but they care that animals procreate. And even though we're, they'll say we're not animals, they'll be like, hey, see, they do it, therefore we're supposed to do it. <laughs> That makes absolutely no sense. It doesn't make any sense. But then again, you know, that's most of these arguments that that people tend to have about why, you know, about why sex work shouldn't be shouldn't be legalized in the least bit. Um, what do you think we can do to kind of to start removing some of these stigmas? Like, how do you think, you know, what kind of where do you think um, the revolution? I don't want to say revolution, but where do you think we can start, you know, maybe as a nation trying to turn the tide as to how people view sex work and people who engage in it? Because obviously people, um, lots of people have, they, you know, they have stereotypes about, you know, about people who engage in it. Like they'll assume that people who strip for a living, you know, had no father figure, therefore they just, you know, they're, they're, that's why they're here. You know, they'll people who yeah. are who are prostitutes, 
uh, those whom have no love for themselves, no no respect for their bodies or anything like that. That's the only reason that they're out here doing it. So where do you think or where where should we start as far as if we're trying to change this perception of sex work? Well, for one, I, I, I think it goes back, you have to start at the root. And the root is the fact that we teach children from a very young age that you should be, you should be, you know, that bodies are just sexual and that's it and it's not natural. You know, we teach kids, then we then they become teenagers, and either they don't get proper sexual education, or we teach. There's this whole abstinence-only crap that's being taught. So I mean, it starts it starts at the root. Like I'll never forget my um my 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 nephew, you know, and and you know it's not his fault because this is how he was taught, but you know, or whatever kids he's around at school or whatever, and you know his little sister walks around and she's a toddler. She's like you know, the same age my son is now at the time. And, you know, she takes her shirt off. She wants to be naked. Toddlers want to be naked. And it's like, put your shirt on. That's nasty, you know. Right. And it's like it's like little girls especially are sexualized from a very young age. Like there are some people, you know, I've known some, some families where the, you know, men are not allowed to change their daughter's diapers because it's like, it's like taboo or, you know, my, you know, for instance, there was a, an aunt of mine who had a problem with me and my cousin sleeping in the same room, even though he was sleeping on the couch and I was sleeping in the bed and we grew up together. And it's just like, you know, little girls especially are sexualized from a very young age. And so I, I believe it starts at the root. It starts at the source. And when you teach your kids that, sex isn't natural, it's shameful, and your body is something to be ashamed of, or you teach little girls that your body from when, all the way from when you're a baby to when you're older is sexual, and that's it. That's a problem. Agreed. Uh, Before I continue, uh, anyone who's listening in on the line, they're in the chat room, uh, feel free to call in and participate. The the number is 310-982-4273. When you call in, press 1, and... um, you know, we'll bring you on to to uh, we'll we'll bring you on so you can you know say whatever you've got to say or even you know uh, ask us something. Um, I agree with you 110 percent. And you know, um, the, the the when when you talked about little girls being sexualized from a young age, it, it reminded me of um, this photo that was making rounds on the internet. I want to say about two years ago. It was of a father who was in the bathtub, and he had his daughter, like, um, you know, between his legs, and he was, like, washing her hair or whatever. And, you know, this this photo made rounds. Like, I I saw it all over Facebook. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on Instagram. I saw it on Tumblr. I saw it everywhere. And it was basically um, everywhere was, like, people were, you know, raising a big issue about this because they were like, that's inappropriate. And then you ask them, well, why is it inappropriate? And it's like, you know, they'll just say things like, a father shouldn't, you know, he's a he's a grown man, he shouldn't be in a bathtub with a little girl like that, you know. And I'm like, and me and several other people are all, well, that's his daughter, you know. It's not like anything is going on. He's washing her hair. He's taking care of her as, you know, a dad should be doing. But a lot of times, uh, these people would just rail on and on about it's inappropriate, she's close to his private parts, 
you know, and then in some cases they even went to the extreme to even talk about, well, what if he gets stimulated or some really outlandish, outlandish stuff. What? But, I mean, yeah, it, it 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 was it was pretty it was pretty disgusting. The the the, the whole conversation is... around that photo was 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 pretty disgusting. But again, it goes back to to what you were saying, you know, about how you know even something as innocent as you know a little girl taking a bath with her dad and her dad's washing her hair, like even that gets turned into something that it, it, it didn't need to be in the first place. That I never heard. I did not know about that, and that shit—that's that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, it it it, it was crazy. It, it was everywhere. I, I almost want to say it was in the the black atheist group. Um, there's at one point. there's this fear there's this fear mongering going on. I don't know. Did it start in the nineties? Oh no, I'm really young, you guys. I, I was born in the nineties, so. Okay, here you go. You're calling me old but, inadvertently. <laughs> I'm not calling you old. I'm not, you are, you are kind of old, though. I mean, still. See what I mean? Anyway, <laughs> I'm saying, you know, I'm young and thrive, so. But I, I, um, I don't know. My mom watched a lot of Lifetime when I was a kid. And it just seemed like every man that was in the movies or every man that came up, he was like a rapist or he was a pedophile or he was something, something. And I don't know if this fear this big fear thing started in like the 80s or the 90s or whatever, but it just seems like it's gotten worse and worse where there's this focus on these, on men being these, in just men in general, I would say, being these big scary creatures or, or sneaky or, you know, behind the scenes, they all want to like have sex with our children and, and, and murder people. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Like, I guess that's why we don't have we don't have a, like a lot of male teachers anymore, because they're so like I just even see male teachers in high school. They're so careful. They were so careful when I was in high school to try not to say anything inappropriate or trying to say anything that could be misconstrued. Because, and I'm not saying that you know some of these men weren't inappropriate or whatever or had their own issues, but there's this fear though that like every man is like going to hurt your child or, like, do something to your child. And so sometimes a man can't even be, like, just doing regular father stuff, like changing his his little girl's diaper or, you know, giving his little girl or little boy a bath because it's just – there's all this fear that he's going to do something. Right. So, I mean, we don't even, like, have male babysitters anymore. Well, you're right. You know, well, at least not ones that aren't – uh, that aren't ashamed. Related. For, you know, yeah, or, or that. <laughs> um, yeah. But if, to, to bring, to kind of bring that, um, kind of bring that full circle, I think that that same, I think part of it, part of that same fear may be, you know, as be, maybe why people have such, you know, such negative, uh, negative views about sex work in general. I mean, the fact of the matter is we live in a very technology-driven world now, and, you know, things are drastically different from how they were 30 years ago, just as far as uh, media, um, you know, the expansion of television, the Internet, and, and all of that. And, um, you know, as, as much as, you know, some people don't like to act like, uh, some, as, as much as some people like to act like it doesn't, media has a very big and real influence as to how people view things. And 
you know, a lot of the, the narratives and images that you see, you know, from um, people who engage in sex work to even uh, to to men and how they interact with their children, a lot of that kind of a lot of that shapes exactly how we we look at those things and how we view those things, and that's why people you know they'll look at it, they'll look at a photo of a man who is simply you know bathing with his daughter and automatically think that you know something something is more than what it is you know or they'll they'll look at someone who you know, exotic dances for a living and think that, you know, oh, something's wrong here. You know, like her their life went wrong, you know, maybe based on something they saw, maybe based on something they read. You know A lot they, of the they, time it's based on nothing at all though. Bingo. Exactly. And that was gonna be my next point. <laughs> they they just assume fear, that you know, anybody is Go ahead. I was saying they have, they think everyone who's involved in sex work is doing so against their will or they're being degraded. They just put these these labels on people. It's just ridiculous. It is. And that's not to say that there aren't some who are being forced or be against their will or being degraded, but that's just saying that it's not everybody, right. though. You can't generalize like that. Right, and 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 that's that's an important distinction that has to be made. We have to make a distinction between sex work and sex trafficking. You know, there's 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 a difference. You know, like you said, not everyone out is out there. You know, doing what they're doing because they're being forced or because someone is standing over their shoulder to make them do to make them do it. Again, some of these people are just people who enjoy sex, or or people who who, you know, who are very open about themselves and what they're into and, you know, want to make a living doing that. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Or some people but, who just want to, who just needed a job and just feel like that's a viable option and they're comfortable exactly. doing it. Exactly. But it, the by that same token, you know, people don't look at these people as people either. Which is also where, right. where part where part of the issue comes from, you know. They don't they don't look, right. they don't view them as people. They don't talk about them as people. And when when whenever there is a conversation about it, they're not you know they they don't talk about you know people engaged in sex work as just you know average people like your average Susan who lives down the block. You know, there's always right. something more to it. There was always people who looked at me like, you know, back when I was back when I was dancing. People would look at me and they'll be like, You you don't look like a dancer, you don't act like you do that kind of stuff or you know what I mean? Like it's like what does that what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. Like there's a first certain there's a certain type of person that you have to be or you have to look a certain way in order to be perceived as that type of woman or that type of girl. Right. Because they don't consider you human, and because they they and because they don't see you as human, they don't they don't see that you know that you are a person who has many different interests, many different likes, dislikes, tastes, views, opinions, etc. They they don't they don't ever consider that when they when they when they when they think about people who dance, for example. They just assume right. that these people are 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 degrading themselves, 
They're, they've dehumanized themselves, and you know that's it. They, they again, they don't, right. they don't, they don't think that these people are actual full people who are just like them, but just happen to have a job that, for that many people consider taboo. A lot of people like to paint women as being, you know, delicate or in these corners, and they need to be, when they when they go into things like prostitution or dancing, you know, automatically they need to be saved. Like, you know, I'll never forget when, you know, my some of my family members found out that I was dancing or whatever, and I was dating Everett at the, well, I'm still dating him, but I, was da- I had just started dating him, and everybody was, like, talking to him. And like you know, you gotta you gotta stop her from dancing. I mean, you gotta get you know. It doesn't matter what you do, you get a better, you get a, your promotion, or you get a better job, or whatever. Like he had, like it was his job to support me and to get me, save me from this terrible job that I have. That I have been, by the time I met him, I had been dancing for two years, and it was that you know he needed to save me, he needed to rescue me, and then when I did finally quit dancing, I, you know, I just decided, you know, I'm done with this and moved on to some other things. It was like, it was looked at as, you know, oh, you're, you're better than that. <laughs> like, you know, like when I talked about going back or when I talked about doing some other activities, you know, to, to bring some income in, it was like, you know, why are you going backwards? You know, like, like it's, it's beneath me or something now. And and he's like he saved me, or something. Right, but they and and it, um, they kind of they and actually I just kind of thought about this. They kind of they they view people they view uh, dancers especially or or, or or prostitutes or people who do that in general. They they treat them the same way that they kind of look down, um, not exactly in the same, but the same way they kind of talk about people who work in in retail or fast food. You know that that these people are beneath me. Therefore, I don't need to treat them with any type of respect. I don't need to speak to them as if they are on my level. You know, they they have this right. sense of entitlement that well, I'm not doing that. Therefore, I'm better than you. Therefore, I can talk about you and I can treat you any way that I want to. Right. And what what we really need to do, and um, what, what we here is in, in, in America, not only in America but worldwide, need to do is we need to remove the stigma completely. Because what's also interesting is a lot of times people who formerly engaged in sex sex work, when they when they go on to do other other jobs or jobs that people would consider um, respectable. You know, a lot of times just 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 the fact that they used to be in that industry would be enough for them to lose their job, lose their livelihood, or otherwise have people, you know, kind of look down at them. I remember, you know, I, right. I remember reading several stories from the past two years about uh, teachers. You know, there was there's a case where there was a, a young black woman. She was an English teacher at a middle school. And she was fired. She was fired because someone at the school discovered that she modeled while she was in college. She did. She did. A, she had a nude modeling uh, photo shoot, and they fired her. 
I remember, you know, there was another case where there was a teacher, another teacher who, I guess, uh, uh, did a couple porn shoots and, again, fired for the exact same reason. You know, they they they, they didn't outright say, but a lot, in a lot of these cases, it was, oh, they discovered that this person used to engage in sex work and it cost them their jobs. That's, that's I had a, a friend that definitely that needs to be changed. I had a friend tell me that when we went out with him um, a little while ago, and I had him tell he told me that if he, if you know if he, they, him and another guy were to do business and they went to a strip club, anything they said there, you know, wouldn't be considered legitimate because if they if they were called out on it, they would have to say where they had this meeting or where they had this official talk. And they would have to say it was in a in a, in a strip club, and I was like, right. "That's the silliest thing I've ever heard." And he said, "Well, that's how it is. If they were to go have lunch at a strip club and they they talk business, nothing they say there is valid because they would have to say where they were." It's ridiculous. I agree. I agree. I I agree a hundred and ten percent. Um. Again, if anyone uh, anyone listening wants to call in, the number is 310-982-4273. Uh, 30 minutes from now, we're going to be we're going to have a discussion with the grip. So, if you want to get in on this conversation about sex work in any form or fashion, feel free to call in and press one so that we'll know that you're here and we can bring you on the line. Um, whew, man. So, I guess. One of the questions, I guess, I also kind of uh, was was uh, considering when we were putting the show together is, you know, why why do you think it's why why do you think it's so hard? Uh, I mean, we kind of touched on this earlier. Why do you think it's so hard for people to really grasp that, you know, that these aren't hurt women; these are women that are out here, you know, just you know, just regular people. They're not hurt. They're not stigmatized. They're not. There's nothing wrong with them. You know, why? Why do you think that they're that that you know they they it's so hard for people to grasp, you know, to accept the humanity of these people? Because it's easier. It's easier to think of somebody to paint somebody as a victim that you can save and that's redeemable, rather than to paint them as a strong, independent person who chose to do something that you think is inappropriate or is a problem it's just easier especially when you come you know from a christian or whatever other major one of the other major religious backgrounds where it says that you know you should be ashamed of those kind of things or those kind of things are just between a husband and a wife or you know those traditional kind of views you know it's easier for them to think oh i can you're redeemable i can save you because that's the whole that's the whole premise of Christianity and evangelism and all of that is that you can save people. They can be, right. people can be saved, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, if you say, if, if if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I chose to dance, I think it's a job and I'm comfortable doing it and this is, this is what I'm going to do and I don't care what you think, then it's like you have no hold over that person. You can't, there's nothing you can do. You can't save them. They're They're strong without you. Right. And a lot of people can't deal with that. Agreed. So. Agreed 110%. Um, 
Um, I actually just had a, a, a thought, so I'm going to shift this conversation slightly. Um, well, again, since you mentioned that you um, to, that you uh, that you used to dance, um, can you share kind of a little of what that experience was like, like maybe what your thought process was? Because obviously, you know, obviously, you know, like you mentioned earlier that you know folks may not, you know, people used to real used to act like you know like oh. You dance, you know, so yeah. you know, maybe you could kind of shed some light, you know, because I've never danced, and I don't really, <laughs> I've, never, I've never known anybody <laughs> who has. So, you know, I'm kind of interested in, uh, you know, just kind of hearing about your experience. Well, I mean, I was 18 when I started dancing. I actually started, at first, I just did it just because, like, it's going to sound real stupid, but I saw the Players Club when I was a kid. It <laughs> was a great movie. <laughs> and I loved the movie and one of my one of my cousins was like, You look like you would be a dancer, yada 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 and I was like, What? I'm too skinny to dance and, and then I ended up um talking to a friend of mine who danced and then I was like, You know what, I'm gonna try it and I went and I tried it for spring break at right after I turned eighteen and I was like, Huh I had fun, but I didn't make that much money. I didn't really try that hard. I just was like, oh, this is fun. And then I left. I didn't dance for, like, months. And then I ended up getting my own apartment. I had to pay bills. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if there's any clothes down here. Because I was in Bloomington, Indiana at the time. I was going – at the time I was going to Indiana University. And then I took the – um, I was taking the year off. So I started dancing again. And – I would say that, you know, a lot of us, we've seen these books or these little exposés about white women or white female dancers, and they write about their experiences or, you know, you know these, these females who have done their PhDs and their dissertations or have done theses on dancing. You don't hear a lot from black female dancers. You just, it's, I think because the, the religion is stronger in our culture, the traditional values, and so it, there's a lot more shame, especially since black women are often painted as whores or loose or whatever. You can you either have to be the really, really good girl who was a virgin until she was 22 or until she was married or you have to, you're, you're the bad girl, you know. And so I don't know. Like I had good experiences dancing. I had bad experiences dancing. I think – I think the good outweighed the bad, and I say this because, like, I've worked, I've worked as a as a as a stripper, and I've worked as a maid in a hotel. I have to honestly say that I preferred the dancing to being a maid in the hotel. When I was dancing, I felt like I could get up and leave any time. If I didn't want to come in, I could be like, you know, I'm just going to take this day off and I'm going to reschedule. And like a lot of all clubs aren't like that, but the clubs I was at were like that. So. <laughs> Okay. And so, like, um, I had some degrading experiences, but, yeah. I think it's like that okay, with any so job. Just had a little snafu that just kind of happened. Uh, um, my, um, uh, my my phone kind of cut off uh, while you were talking. <laughs> I don't know if the show – the thing is, I don't know if the show um, turned off at all because, you know, Okay. So uh, I'm not sure if anyone out there actually heard you or not, <laughs> which kind of sucks because I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't just tell you to stop, obviously. 
Um, yeah, he said it didn't cut off. It didn't? All right, okay, that's, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, great. He's listening um, to so it yeah, on I, the tablet, so yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome, because I kind of missed out. <laughs> I, missed, <laughs> I kind of missed your whole, I missed everything you just said just now. Okay. So I'm kind of jealous of everyone else who got to, who got to, who got to, to listen. But yeah, I was just basically saying that like there, there's. I feel like there's degrading experiences in every job, especially when you're working class, because in jobs like where you're working, like I worked as a maid at a hotel, and and I felt very degraded at that job. Like I was, I I worked a lot of hours, and there was no appreciation. We didn't get any kinds of um. We didn't get any benefits, a lot of us, because they billed us as part-time workers even when we were working full-time hours. And I ended up leaving there because I got pregnant with my son, and they wouldn't give me maternity leave. And I had been there for a year. And come to find out, there is no maternity leave for a lot of those kind of positions, even though it's a female-dominated position. (laughs) So I had degrading and racist experiences dancing, but I had the same, if not worse, experiences working at a hotel. So, yeah. Of course, you know, you being a a black woman, that's uh, something I'm sure you're you're gonna have to uh, deal with everywhere you go. Right. Unfortunately. Um, again, so time is 8:41. We have 20 more minutes until um, Grip comes on. Um, we have a. We I actually have a comment that I, I kind of want to share, and I hope uh, my homie doesn't mind. Um, someone. Uh, someone posted a link to the show, and someone was commenting and kind of gave some kind of gave some thoughts. I'm going to share them on air. Um, okay. I want, to, I want to say his name is Scooby. I don't know how to pronounce that. Maybe it is. Uh, <laughs> he was like, he said basically, um, you know, our culture has issues with it. It has issues with sex. Period. It's sad. One of the examples of fiction. Um, one of the examples of fixation on fear that the human mind attaches to. The entire dialogue is critical. Every venue this is discussed in, aside from the most focused, this topic has a contrived focus around it. Not the truth as, you know, as is being discussed. You know, the conversation is about the stigma, not the truth of the situation, not able to be discussed without emotional attachment. You know, um, it's something that they have to avoid putting on their resume because it's not part of a particular skill set even though it helps put them through college. And that kind of goes back to the stigma we talked, you know, the fact that there's a stigma that we spoke about previously. You know, for a lot of people, it's it's almost embarrassing, and a lot of people are embarrassed, you know, to admit that this is, is, you know, something that they engaged in at some point. Yeah. So... Um, here's one of the questions, um, one of the other questions I had, and I think I, we talked about this a little before, which is, uh, why do you think most of the, the public conversations about uh, focus on laws and regulations aimed at controlling the women rather than recognizing their agency? Because that's how we are. That's culturally, women are property or objects and sex is a commodity but I mean I think a lot of the time it's easier like I said it's easier to 
paint women as these helpless creatures who need who need to be saved and need that help rather than to recognize them as human. And a lot of people probably think that if we were to legal pro- legalize prostitution, we would bring on the apocalypse. So, of course, I mean, people thought the same thing with um, alcohol. When, you know, during Prohibition, they thought, oh, look, if we just, you know, get rid of alcohol, then, we'll, then everything will get better. And, we, you know, it's, it's demons, it's demons liquid and the devil's nectar. And we're just going to, you know, illegalize it and criminalize it. And what happened? Like, it got out of control. People were drunk more often than not. There was all this underground stuff. And they saw how stupid it was. But the thing is, is that that was alcohol. And women have been seen as Denise for a long time. So it's going to take some work. And as long as we keep, you know, bending or saying, you know, that this is this is a um all these traditional values and that this is a Christian nation and yada yada yada, then it's going to be hard to get back those rights. I mean, we've seen what happened with the voting rights and, you know, abortion and everything like that. All these right. rights and all these laws are being repealed and, you know, taken back and there's this well some people are fighting but I find there's this there's a lot of complacency like people just think that everybody else is going to step up and fight for them so they're just watching it happen so. right and, that, and 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 I mean that's a problem we have all across all across the board um I'm trying to think of what the name of that the story is um um have you heard that the the story that they tell about like there's there's a man and he's stabbing his wife in a window, and people are walking by and they see it, but nobody calls the police because they figure that someone else will do it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of that. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing here, and it's, it's it's something that definitely that needs you know that needs to change. Like you said, people are, are I guess afraid to, to to step up to the plate and and to I guess get on the front lines about this. Yeah. There's a name for that. There's a I can't remember. I remember that I remember that story about there was this um guy who just like was stabbing this woman in the street and he came back like two or three times and stabbed her and people were looking out of the window and everybody just kept waiting and thinking that everybody else was going to call. It's cro- called some, something to do with a crowd something. I don't know. Uh <laughs> it's been studied. Uh, over, it's been studied multiple times because it, it, people were so fascinated by the fact that so many people saw this happening, and that this man came back multiple times to stab and kill this woman, and she could have been saved if somebody had just called. Uh, yeah, I have no I idea. I probably Google that. <laughs> I probably Google that when we uh, when we go to take our musical break in in uh, a couple minutes. And I think that. they talked about it in Freakonomics. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I think they up. talked about it in Freakonomics. So, yeah. What about the um the article? Do you want to talk about oh, that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. We can talk. Okay, yeah. We can talk about that now. I'm, I'm glad you, you, you said that because I actually forgot to say we were going to mention that. So, um, another angle... I guess, and this kind of ties into the the, the conversation. Um, uh, if anyone's out there with familiar, if, is familiar with the rapper known as UCJ, 
Um, he's a former member of the group Three Six Mafia, and he's known nowadays for a couple of, a couple club songs he has, um, like Bands and Make Her Dance, uh, Bounce It. Uh, and he's been featured on he's been featured on projects with a bunch of other folks as well. Um, now he raises he had there was an uproar that came uh, a couple months ago um, when he tweeted out he tweeted out because it started with this tweet he started out tweeting that um, you know that he's going to give fifty thousand dollars to the best twerker and framed it you know and framed it at, and framed it under the under the the guys of, well, you know, this is going to be a scholarship, you know, and it was and it was a way to promote his song that came out at the same time called Scholarship, which was about a girl who stripped to pay her way through school. Um, so he said he was having this contest and that people just, people needed to submit um, a video for this. And uh, originally, it was originally thought that that. Um, Originally thought that you had to twerk, you know, to to enter this contest. So I'm sure thousands of women submitted twerk videos. And just the other day, Juicy J uh, came out and announced the winner. And the winner uh, won by not twerking, because apparently in the actual rules of the the the, the um for the contest. Twerking was nowhere to be found anywhere on that page, and now there was an uproar, and an uproar ensued because you know people took issue with that because they're like, "Well, why would you call it a twerking contest? Have you know obviously take all the videos of all these women submitting videos, and then you award the money to somebody who didn't even participate." way that, you know, it was so um we're we we have about ten minutes before we have to take our break, so you know, we'll we'll jump straight into this. Noah, what'd you think about Juicy J and his reaction and, and this whole this whole contest? So like I said before, uh well at first I was really conflicted with the article, but here's what I here's what I have to say about it. There's two ways of judging women who twerk. And there's this, there's the so-called, you know, the feminist way or the the way women judge. You know, you can call it feminist, you can call it women, whatever. Or the misogynistic man way. And Juicy J was stupid for the comments he made. I guess, I think you already said it. What happened was, you know, he framed it as a twerking contest, and then there was a backlash, so he changed it and said that women didn't have to twerk, but there had already been like entries or or whatever. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so I say this. There was an uproar. There was a backlash. He changed it. And that doesn't make him right or anything like that. He's really stupid for the comments he made and there were sexist comments. But I think there's a way of perpetuating sexism in a different way from both sides. So, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. For the feminist way, you know, women, you know, they want to say, you know, okay, well, you can't, you can't call it a twerking contest because it's, it's you know that's degrading that's 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 bad that's you know that's not cool like we should be valued for more than that and that you know that's kind of valid but at the same time it's kind of perpetuating the idea that there's only one way you can be respectable right and that's the that's the way that they say 
right. through the male gaze, yeah. And then for, you know, from the man's side, it's this whole virgin whore thing. Like, basically what he was saying is that, well, y'all, y'all should have y'all known I wasn't just going to give you money for shaking your ass. And, like, for me, it's this, you framed it as a twerking contest. <laughs> and then people asked you to change it, and they were mad about it, and then you want to act like you're teaching somebody a lesson. And that's just stupid. I don't like I, I don't like either either way. I don't like it either way. I don't like it when women are when women are calling themselves, you know, well, I guess they could be feminists, I don't know. They're calling themselves feminists and they're saying but then they're saying, well, there's only one way you can be respectable and if you're twerking, then, you know, that's degrading. Maybe I like to twerk. I mean, I really don't I don't know how to twerk. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know <laughs> what that I don't I don't really know what it is. Is it a booty twitch? I don't know. I saw Miley Cyrus do it, but, I mean, that's Miley Cyrus. I don't know if she's doing it right or not. But, <laughs> but yeah. No, no, I I, I, I agree. Now, um, one of the – and actually, I just had this thought as you were talking. Uh, I'm kind of – one of the issues I, I have now with it is that I realize – if Juicy J changed the rules of this thing, and it's not to excuse him, it's not to excuse uh, even the people that read, but for for him to change the rules of this contest and then to not say anything about it, to not mention it, to not send out a tweet maybe updating folks or send out a statement updating folks and saying, okay, guys, I hear what you're saying. And, or send the you know, videos the, back. The landscape is, Right, that's what I or that's what I mean. Like he, he could he could have he could have used his he could have he could have if he had, if he had heard what people were saying, because it then because then it kind of it, it it makes me think that he didn't he didn't really get it and that he 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 decided to keep these videos and maybe change his mind in some sort of gotcha moment at the end, because if if you yeah. if, if you heard the backlash if you heard the backlash and then you. Uh, you want to change the rules? Okay, cool. You should probably tell the women participating in this that the rules have changed, so that they, the people who submitted, can maybe resubmit, you know, w- without twerking, and that people who plan to or may want to submit can can do it without having to to send a twerk video in the first place. And, right. And, and that's that's the that's the issue. That's that's. For me, that's kind of the the over the overriding issue here is that right. you know, it's exploitative. Like you could you you could have said something. You should have said something instead of trying to treat trying to uh, put yourself in some sort of trying to make this into some sort of teaching teachable moment. You know, like oh, you, you can't just twerk and get money and think you're going to get a fifty thousand dollars you know scholarship for school. I mean, what the hell, you know that. That's what I mean. Like it, it goes into it goes into a discussion on you know uh, respectability politics and what's uh, um, you know only respectable women don't twerk and that these respectable women uh, because they don't twerk are worthy of the money because of X Y and Z as it, while women who who do twerk, regardless of, you know, whatever other things that they may be into or whatever opinions and whatnot they may have, that they 
don't deserve it because they are actively engaging in a dance that they like to do that Juicy J, I'm sure, and men and women across the country see as something that respectable people don't do. Right. That was very long-winded, now I think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered if you breathed a little bit or you took a breath, but you seemed okay, so. Yeah, um, well, you know, us rapper guys, we, we got lungs of steel, so. Like 17 commas in that sentence. Right. But <laughs> I get what you're saying, though. Right, right, right. Um, so, um, uh, I feel like a woman shouldn't be judged off of, dan- off of a dance like that. And then it was like he came back and was like, well, this is this is what this real woman was. And this girl, I don't know, I didn't see the full video. But it's just like, you know, congratulations to her. I mean, she's a biology major, she's a single mom, whatever. That's congratulations right. to her. But at the same time, you don't come you don't come back and be like, well, this it's a twerking contest, then change it, and then be like, well, y'all are hoes, y'all are stupid, and this is what a real woman should be doing. Like, you get to define who's, wor- who's worthy and who's not. That's just ridiculous. Right, 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 right. Um, we're going to have to uh, probably pick this up later because we're getting close to – 9 o'clock, and we're going to get ready to begin our interview with Grip in a few minutes. Um, So, But before we get get into that, um, before we talk about his his album uh, or his his upcoming album, Ansible, um, I'm going to play a song. We're going to take a a short, like, two-minute break. Um, This is probably one of my favorite songs by him. this track right here is called uh, Prophylaxis. Came off Aquarium, if I do believe so, if I say something, if I think I'm saying it right. Pretty sure it's pro, uh, pretty sure it's Aquarium. Um, so we're gonna play this, and then after we after the jump, uh, hopefully Grip will have called in, and we can start talking about the album. So uh, this is MC Brooks. That's Noah. We'll be back after the jump. BFT Radio. Pour me up something. About to get into this. I wanna be crucified. Well, not really, but this truth and lies. Hope my death is more like being euthanized. Between you and I, I spend my days thinking on what I could do to die. Contemplating suicide from serrated tools and knives, nooses and pills. I'm losing my will to live, influenced by news reports. These inhumane troops and wars, units moving to kill. Students consumed with the bills, losing their health. I don't condemn it, cause it's true to itself. I'm no polemic, just a prisoner in flesh, trying to get loose from the cell. And only one solution is proven. I'm too overwhelmed to bang in the last crucifix. Snail, who could prevail? God is just the sum of our excuses to fail That we invented to prevent us feeling useless and frail But when the truth is unveiled I bet you'll see the man behind the curtain Is certainly human and his movements are stale uh, I wanna be sacrificed Well not really, I just wanna live a happy life Content to write and rap on mics And pack the club with backpackers for like half a night And have a Mac and hype and pass the pipe Giggle and laughing like I love that rapper grip He always keeps it fresh, he's the best Word, I would never even guess that he's depressed I seem to believe that shit even less with each new breath It's like I'm being choked out by we 
Need to stretch and eat my flesh I'm feeling panicked and anxious The manics can't explain it This manic state is self-inflicted But I can't escape it I feel it in my brain Brand the damage stain Frantic pain Damn it, can it go away? Can it change? No, until I'm aged old Dead under a gravestone I will feel the same soul What else can I say, yo? I walk the same road Day to day Trying to lay low Kick a razor blade Flow until the plate goes Here I go
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, like, the, it tells you, it gives you a countdown. It's like five oh. minutes left. Like, it kind of sounded like that, but only a man. I don't know. I'm, oh. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. <laughs> <That's> just... <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, how you feeling tonight, bro? I am fantastic. I'm, like, a little bit tired, but other than that, I'm well. Yeah. All right, awesome, awesome. All right, so well, let's jump right in. Let's jump right into it. Let's let's talk about this this new project, Ansible. Let's I mean, do what's that. the deal? With yes, let's talk about that. The deal with it awesome. is it's so, done now. Oh man. Um. Yeah. So, new album. I made it. I wrote it. Um. It's. I've been working on it for like two years, and I finally got it out the door. Um. And I'm so excited about it. Like really, really excited about it. I always shoot to, you know, have whatever project I'm working on be, like, the best one I've made. Like, I feel like I'm trying to constantly improve, and I really actually feel this way about, that way about this one, so I'm just really excited, and the reception to it has been pretty good, too, so yeah, it's just, like, got me on this huge endorphin high for the last couple of weeks. Hey, man, man, I can tell you, you, you should be, because I mean, I've not, well, I'm about to sound like a fanboy for whatever reason, but I've known about you since, like, <laughs> Since like I think I I think I found you randomly <laughs> online in like 2010 or something, and then uh, you know well you know Raffi of course me yeah. and her uh, had gone out and I remember she tried to put me on to you, and I was like oh I know who Grip is wait you know Grip she's like yeah yeah uh, he, he's yeah. He's, dating, he's, he's dating someone he's dating one of my friends I'm like oh yep. well shit small world <laughs> yeah um, yeah I and so. Wow, 2010, yeah. that's like way back. That was like yeah, yeah. before anything, before doing the most. It was, I guess, like right after Speak to, Speak to Him came out. Like that was, at the time, my only atheist song. And so, yeah. Yeah, right, Perfect. right. I, and I, and I, I remember because uh, she let me hear, um, what was it, the the pirate anthem. Um, yeah, okay, BitTorrent from Aquarium. Yeah, yeah BitTorrent, there we go. She let me hear that, yeah. and like I was like, oh, Damn, this this dude is nice, and so I went and got the two. I got the well, the two free EP uh, CDs yeah. at the time, Aquarium and Grass Nap. I was like, yo, these are. They're still phenomenal. on my website, by the way. And again, uh, you, everyone, you can go to glasseyeballs.com and you know download download these projects. And um, I remember hearing those, and I was like, wow, wow, this this is serious. This dude is nice. And then I, I remember you put a head in the cloud out, and I actually got the physical for that, which which was kind of cool. And I was like, "Whoa, damn! This man, this man managed to outdo the you know the first two projects. Well, the first two projects yeah. I had heard." And so I was like, "Wow, like, this, this is nice." Exactly then, what I'm going for every time. And like, okay, so <laughs> right, and it, it, I was saying this to somebody else, but like, head in the cloud also took a long time to make, and it's because like both Aquarium and Grassnap, uh, doing the most to a lesser extent. But the the, couple, the few projects that came out before Head in the Cloud were like a bunch of songs that I had written and then decided I didn't want to put on Head in the Cloud. So like I kept like writing a bunch of songs and being like, this doesn't really fit, or this doesn't have the right feel, or I don't think this beat is working really. And then like, I, so I, I had like a bunch of these projects that were just kind of like, compilation out like I saw I was seeing them as like weird like half step compilation albums and everyone was like mm -hmm. really enjoying them and that's kind of why they were free because like I didn't even 
Like I didn't even conceive of them as as projects like that, and they just I guess stood on their own. So yeah, I'm glad people like them. I really am. I'm like constantly flattered yeah. and like so humbled that people are listening and enjoying it because like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I can tell you straight up. I, I think I said this when we um, when we had the Facebook group message the other day, which is I listened to Ansible all the way through, and I was just I was completely just kind of blown away from not only just from the rhyme standpoint, but just from the the, the in terms of the beats because the the, progr- the the production on it was very rich. It was very beautiful. Like even if you if you would put this out as maybe just an instrumental album, I feel like this is something that people would be able to just listen to. And just sit and relax too, and be like, "Wow, this is this that is, is nice." That's an interesting idea. I had never ever considered that. Yeah, I might. Yeah, I mean, I'll just release the instrumentals. Hmm. It could be. It could be because some of the instrumental tracks you put out have been uh, been pretty pretty damn good too. Thank you. So, um, really what was what was the inspiration behind it? You know, what what is for yeah. people who may not know, what is what does Ansible even mean? And like what, okay, yeah. What made you want to kind of form an album around uh, that idea? Yes, that's a, an excellent place to start. So uh, Ansible is a, a device that gets used in a lot of science fiction. Um, it's whenever they need to communicate between planets or like across star systems, the device that they use, uh, they, they often call that device an Ansible. It's just kind of like, it's almost like an in-joke in science fiction or like just a convention. Um, so So basically in real life, that's not possible as far as we know just there's you know speed of light restrictions it's kind of you, you just can't transfer information that fast um so they just kind of so anytime you see an ansible in science fiction it's basically just a lampshade that fact um it's just yes we recognize that this can't really happen but for the sake of science fiction we needed to have a phone across planets so that's what it's called um so uh what i've what i like to say is that where uh head in the cloud was my album about uh, atheism and skepticism Ansible is an album more about humanism and, and secularism. Um, so I, oh God, this sounds so pretentious, but I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, because it's kind of true. Um, the reason I called it Ansible is because I was, I was looking at the communication between humans, like just between people, um, as similar to that kind of interstellar communication in, in as much as like we are very, we're fundamentally apart from each other, you know, like it's not, I, it's not possible fundamentally for me to understand the way you think or the way you are seeing the world or perceiving things, but that doesn't, that shouldn't stop us from like trying to communicate. Um, and, and to a lesser extent also, I think that that is the purpose that my music serves for me is like, like blasting out and broadcasting into like this horrifying, like gaping maw of mortality and eternity and just like hoping someone's picking something up from it. Um, so that's, yeah, again, I, I, I like hear myself saying those words and it all sounds like horrendously pretentious to me. Um, but that's kind of what the album is about. It's like about a lot of these uh, very universal things in humanity. So death and compassion and like striving to achieve things. And um, there are a couple of storytelling tracks on it. So, yeah, that's that's what, what I was shooting for. I don't know how much of that I actually hit, but. I, I think you nailed it, honestly. Thank you. Good. Was, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think you, I think you, uh, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Noah, you want to jump in? You want to ask, uh, ask group something? Uh, oh, there she is. 
I know I like the song that I heard, um, We Should Be So Lucky, that you yeah, sent me. Yeah. I'm so happy that I like it. Like, hopped on that track. Um, so I was talking to him. This, this song literally came about because we were just we were chatting at one point. I think it was maybe for a podcast that never got released or something. Um, and we were talking about uh, the simulation hypothesis, which is basically just the idea that uh, the world as we experience it, it, experience it is a computer simulation or some like microcosm of some like greater level world and or some higher intelligence, you know, that's like using us and we are actually simulations that they're manipulating. And like that sounds like some Philip K. Dick stuff. Yeah, and so it's like that. So the way I feel about it, and I I think also the way he feels about it is like that's technically possible, I guess. There's no way we could know that's true or not. Like. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't even imagine how you would begin to test that. It's kind of like outside of our universe, you know? Like, if, <laughs> if, I, if I create some sort of AI inside my computer, how can it test that it's inside the computer? Like, it's not, it's not even, it's not, it's not a thing about its programming. It's a thing about the substrate itself that it is represented in. So it's like, there's no way for us to test that. But, you know, if you have something like that, or, or like we're in the matrix and we're actually just generated consciousness, then it's possible that we could die in this world and wake up to a whole different consciousness and like, or, you know, have an afterlife or have some other thing. And he, so we were talking about that. And my response to that was like, just off the cuff, like, yeah, we should be so lucky. I'm like, that's really how I feel about it. It's like, that would be awesome. That would be great to, to imagine that, that we get an, another shot at this. But like, I, I kind of can't believe that. Like it's, there's either evidence against it or no evidence for it and neither of those is like a reason to believe in something so yeah so that's what that song's about like okay so given that I, I can't believe that I can't take that like what what can I make of what I what I do get what can we what can we we do while we're here in the stuff that we're like actually aware that we have so, yeah and I'm like, like so that. happy that I'm able to jump on the track because yeah he sent me his verse and I was just like ah perfect yes exactly that <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean is the thing that Graydon Square does. Like it's not very often you hear Graydon Square verse and you're like, eh, I don't think he really he really got it there. Like, yeah, yeah I, I need him to do I need him to do take two on this. This this isn't gonna work. This isn't gonna work. Yeah. See, <laughs> right. now that you explain now that you've explained the song, you've got me thinking about parallel universes and reincarnation yeah. and everything. Yeah. And like those are like and now all, I have to go back and listen again, to it. Yeah. Like I feel like I was I was trying to be a little bit more inclusive. Like I was I was aggressive on Ed McLeod in some places where it was just like, you know what? No, fuck your religion. Like we're not doing that. <laughs> um and and like I honestly I stand by what I said on Ed McLeod, you know, like I'm not I'm not backing off any of those statements. There's a lot of damage that religion is doing to the world, but also like there's this this recognition that goes along with it, that the people who believe in these things, by and large, are not like horrible, terrible, evil people. They're just doing exactly what we're doing, which is just trying to make the most out of their lives and trying to do what makes sense to them. And, like, you know, so, like, I, I tried to thread that into this album, which is, like, I, I get it, you know? Like, I'm not some evil atheist out to destroy everything that you care about. I understand why it would be comforting to imagine an afterlife. I just, right. I just think there are more important things to worry about. Like, right. Yeah. yeah that, that actually, they actually kind of uh, ties into something I wanted to ask, which was, you know, was when when you were putting this project together, so it was it, it was intentional to make it, I guess, less atheism based as far as the content. 
Yeah, it really was. Um, so I, I mean, I just, I just worry about, I just worry about getting pigeonholed. You know, like I don't, I don't want, I, I never ever want people to like pop in one of my albums and know what they're going to be getting and like, because when when you're at that point, there's no reason to listen to it anymore. And and like, right. Yeah, I'm. If I'm if I'm gonna, I, I, I and I said this on on one of the tracks. It's like I'm not gonna make the same album twice in a row. Like, why would I do that? You you heard Head in the Cloud already. I don't need to make Head in the Cloud too. You have Head in the Cloud. I'm gonna make a different project right. now. Um, so yeah, it it absolutely was an attempt to to approach things from a different angle. And I mean, obviously, uh, anything that I do, any art that I do, is going to have on undercurrents of like atheism and skepticism. And you know philosophical realism and the, like that rational like materialistic worldview just because that's the person that I am and that's the way that I see things. So it's not like I'm gonna fuck around and make a gospel album like that. <laughs> that's not gonna happen. But <laughs> um, but yeah. But it's it was just like so. What can how can I approach that worldview from a different angle or or you know how can I get something different out of it and you know so yeah. It, it definitely was it, it was definitely intentional to make it direct. And and yeah, yeah. To, like I said, I, I I really was conceptualizing this album much more as about humanism and compassion than about skepticism and atheism directly. Awesome. Um, as far as um, this is probably going to be kind of somewhat of a weird question because uh, obviously, as a musician, you mean so you put it out together. So obviously, obviously, you like all the songs on there, but is there one song <laughs> on here? That when you listen, when you were writing or putting this project mm-hmm. together, that kind of stands out for you above maybe the rest of them, like maybe yeah. Snow Globe or maybe We Should Be So Lucky or something like that. Um, so yeah, there are a couple of different points on the album. Yeah, okay. So I can I don't know if I can pick like one, but but there are a couple of different <laughs> points on the album where like I kind of surprise myself if that makes sense. Where I where like I I listened to the the song when it was done and I was like oh that went really well in a way that I don't know that I could have predicted um, and so the first the first one and this is part of the reason that I released it as a single was Me. I really absolutely love that song and I just feel like everything fell into the correct place in that song um, in a way that makes it like really palatable as a whole song and I'm, I'm being like very vague here but just I don't know. I just felt like it it worked. It was completely cohesive in a way that I couldn't have predicted. So like just the hook, the bridge, the I love the guitar solo at the end. It like it sounds it sounds stupid from like someone who like made, has made a lot of music, but it sounded like a real song. Like that's kind of the best way to describe it. It's like very often I listen to my my own songs and I'm like, okay, that's a thing that I recorded in my home. Um, and that that song didn't that song didn't come off that way to me. Like I listened to it and I was like, holy fuck, this sounds like like a song like this sounds like a, a, a completely cohesive well thought out song um i don't know that was super vague another another moment i had like that was on um uh, uh how to build a boat which is like this very very slow track and like i'm doing i, I did this on purpose but like this very very slow kind of like meandering flow and then it breaks into this bridge, and I shout the like last eight bars of it, like absolutely at the top of my lungs, shouting, which is a thing that I've not really done a lot, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go, and I listened to it back, and I was like, again, yeah, that totally worked. 
that sounds really good. That was an interesting change of pace for that song. And, like, that was not... I mean, I, I knew that I was, like, trying something out, so I meant to do it, obviously, but it was not... I didn't do it like, oh, this is going to be such an, in, an awesome switch. It just kind of worked out that way, and I really like the way that came out. And also, oh, my God, there's so many... Yeah, you're right. There's no way in hell I could pick... Yeah, <laughs> like, every single song, I could go through it like, oh, man, I know this this like little thing that nobody's ever going to notice, but that I totally did that just totally pulled the song together for me. But, yeah... <laughs> Just a lot of stuff. I'm also okay. Yes, yeah, so Snow Globe. I do. I do a fucking time signatures change in the middle of the song, which is another one of those things. You know, like, I, I've been. Fo- I gotta tell you, I, I love really- that too. I I love that. Like I almost fell out when I was like, oh my god, wow. Yeah. He, he changed the music like, on this. Oh my god, this sounds great. So I listen to a, I listen to a lot of the Beatles, and they do that all the time. And I remember, I don't even remember who I was having this conversation with, but I said that to somebody, like, how the hell did they get away with that? Just, like, changing the time signature up in the middle of their song. And the person responded, they just do it. And so, like, yeah, like, this is the first time. I've done that on a couple of other songs, like uh, uh, Meta Rap on Head in the Cloud has, has, like, a short time signature change, or it just, like, kind of goes into triplets for a minute. But, yeah, yeah so this was the first song where I was like, you know what, I'm, j- I'm going to do that. I'm going to just do it. And so I did. I, like, wrote, wrote this little section that was in a different time signature. And, it, like, I think it's in this... I can't remember if it's in the same key. Maybe it's, like, the, the, uh, the related minor key or something. Um, yeah, and I just, like, fucking went for it. And it worked. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there were a lot of moments like that on the CD where I was like, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to see if I can do that. And it kind of worked out. So, yeah. Perfect. And actually, that's a pretty good segue into... Um, um, this next question right here, which is, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've listened to, I've, I've been, I've listened to your earlier stuff and I've listened to, you know, your last two projects. And one of the things that I definitely meant that I definitely noticed was your earlier stuff, you know, a lot, a lot of the, the beats were, were sample based, you know, and had, I guess, kind of traditional, uh, I guess, drums that was, that sounded as hip hop, if you will. Whereas um, when I first listened to Head in the Cloud, and even on this, you know, a lot of the, the instrumentation is live. Um, mm-hmm. Was there a particular reason you, you went away from, you know, sample-based stuff, or was it just kind um, of, you know, what you wanted to do? I mean, that's, that's, again, that ties into just predictability. Like, I wanted, I, and I, I did, like, a lot of things on this album. Okay, let me, let me back up for a second. What, what I'm trying to say is this. I, I'm very, very liberated as, like, a hyper-independent artist to try shit and do whatever I want and, like, conceptualize projects however I like. Um, there's Because I am making the beats, writing the rhymes, mixing, mastering, and, like, conceptualizing the whole project, basically by myself, um, I can... There's, there's, no, there's no interference for, like, setting standards. And so that's very much what I did before Head in the Cloud and also before Ansible was I said, okay, what do I want this album to sound like? Before I even write any of the songs, what do I want this album to sound like? What do I want the, the mood of it to be? What do I want the, you know, the feel of the beats to be? And then I tried to make those beats, basically. Um, and so the, the, the things that I set out, among, among other things, for Ansible were I want it to sound like you know, a traditional East Coast hip-hop album, whatever, that style, but with a little bit of live instrumentation 
Um, I was listening a lot to so so uh, the uh, albums very much drove it are like rites of passage or not rites of passage I'm sorry uh, shadows on the sun by brother Ali uh, personal journals by Sage Francis um, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy by Kanye I think that that stylistically had some influence on on it if not from the subject matter point of view. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, and and that's one thing that I, I I've mentioned a couple times um, before is that I I listened to especially that Kanye album and went he has got a ton of live instrumentation here and part of that is just that he's got an infinite budget and he can do whatever he wants but part of that is that he's just got you know the guts to put that kind of instrumentation and that kind of music into hip hop songs and. I don't have the budget, but it sounds good, and I think I could do some of that. And so again, I just kind of went for it. I was, I, I was honestly planning to have more of it, um, and just never kind of coordinated it well enough with other songwriters. Um, so Dylan, uh, who composed like half of the songs on, who helped write half of the songs on Head Cloud, um, worked with me on a couple of tracks for Ansible. Um, but only a couple, and I am not by any means like a huge, <laughs> a really great musician. I like know my way around the keyboard. I've got like a little bit of theory knowledge, but I don't like play an instrument like that. Um, so there was there's kind of a ceiling on what I what I personally could do. Um, but also, I was trying to push the limits. So again, with that like that segment on Snow Globe, I was like, well, what I, I think I think even. Uh, before I wrote that segment, I, like I knew I wanted to have a bridge, and I just kind of had a hole in the song for a while. I wrote the saxophone thing at the end, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to have a saxophonist in here to play this. So what else can I do with him? And then I, you know, tried writing a little bit more saxophone part, and just kind of built it from there. I'm like, well, okay, well, what instruments do I already have in this song? I've already got a bass. I've already got, you know, these these chimes playing. I've already got. Uh, Actually, I don't think the chimes are in any other part of the song, but whatever. Like, I've already got this other synth that's playing on the hook. I've already got a Rhodes piano. I've already got the saxophone. And so now I've got kind of the foundations for some live instrumentation to go alongside the song. And, yeah, so um, so those constraints kind of help build it. I don't, I don't know if any of this. I'm, like, kind of maybe skirting around the point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it's mostly it's just pushing my boundary and, again, wanting to um, and keep it. And, and push it in a direction that was different from Head in the Cloud, which didn't didn't have all that much live instrumentation on it. It was very, very synth-based, so. All right, awesome. Answer your question uh, at all. I, was, I feel like I was, like, blathering <laughs> for, like, ten minutes, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all no, good. I'm we enjoying got, listening. Okay. Yeah, it was like, we, have, we, still have, we, still, we still have plenty of time to kill. Uh, okay. Noah, did you want to yeah. uh, ask, uh, ask something? I know, you, I know you had something um, uh, earlier. His voice is so distracting. I'm very soothed right oh, now. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was just having fun listening. I'm sorry. I got I'm lost. Too, I felt like I was watching Through the Wire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Through the Wire with um, Morgan Freeman and... Everything was oh, through the wormhole. I'm sorry. I keep why do I keep saying through the wire? What is up with that? I don't know. Kanye. But I was Kanye. thinking of that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a random question because, like, 
when I heard your um your definition of the word Ansel, I was like, oh, this guy has got to be into sci-fi because that sounds like some sci-fi oh, stuff. God. And he sounds like an android. Okay. You're about to <laughs> ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. I, I'm predicting, but go ahead. So are you into are you into science fiction? Do you know anything about um, Afrofuturism at all? Nope. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm like a little bit into sci-fi, but there's first of all, there's like a huge set of nerd. I, I don't know if this relates to what you're saying, but there's a huge set of like nerd like canon that you're that when you say you're into sci-fi, people assume that you know about, and I don't know about like hardly any of it. Like I'm not a Trekkie, never. I've never seen any any Trek. I've seen the two new movies, which like will get me crucified by real Trekkies. Um, yeah, like no Battlestar, no Stargate. I'm like, I watch Star Wars. I've read some books, and like that's pretty much the end of it. Okay, but I'm sorry. So tell me about Afrofuturism. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about Star Trek. I know okay. there are different flavors of nerds, and I'm not one of those. So. Um, but Afrofuturism basically is, um, man, I can't even give you a direct definition, but I can say that it's like, it's like the work of, I don't know if you know who John Jennings is. Nope. But he's a comic book, he's a comic book artist. And then Itasha Womack, she wrote a really great introductory text on it called Afrofuturism. And basically it's black and sci, it's black fantasy and sci-fi culture. And Ooh. it's like, I don't know. I'm really, I'm really just, awesome. I'm really into it. I'm sorry, so. I'm reading the I, first pa- paragraph of the Wikipedia page right now, and this sounds <laughs> friggin' awesome. The term was coined by Mark Derry in his essay yeah. "Black to the Future," and um, that's a brilliant title. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. So I wondered I if we you were into it. No, but so, it yeah. should be. This is really interesting. This is like right up my alley. Why am I not into this? <laughs> I Fuck just figured you were because you were writing Afrofuturist novels. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool, cool. You know, throw, you, yeah. you can throw my name up in there if you want to. You know, right. the, you yeah. know what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I love sci-fi. And when I heard your voice, I was like, God, this guy sounds like he should be narrating like through the wormhole or something. <laughs> the year 2035. <laughs> The robots are taking you, like, you sound like you should be reading a Samuel Delaney novel or something. <laughs> uh, that. There's, this, there's this project called um, uh, LibriVox, which is basically just an attempt to make more books audiobooks. Um, so they take like a bunch of public domain books and they crowdsource reading them. So yeah, people have been telling me that for a long time, and like for a while, I thought like maybe I'd just go on LibriVox and pick a chapter out and read it. I never did, but it's a thing. Yeah, you, de- you definitely should. I think so. And obviously, if Noah, if if Noah is over there swooning, uh, pretty sure <laughs> that's something you should probably look into. You should probably uh, look into that in the oh in the gosh. future for sure. I mean, so you could do a lot of damage I mean, with that voice. I stuck, I stuck into, I don't know why everyone says that. Like, it's never, as far as I know, it has never, ever helped me at all. I mean, like it's, I, it works for me in my day-to-day life, fine. But, yeah, so what I was at, I went to a Dragon Con, not in 2013. But in 2000, I oh, I hate you. Convention. I'm jealous, I, I yeah. I was supposed to go last year. I didn't, 
I didn't go to the convention. I didn't even have a ticket, but the SGU was there. And this was like right after I had been on that podcast. So they were like, you should come to the show we're filming, whatever. And so I snuck in for like one of the, one of their nighttime sessions. And that was one of the things that fell on like after me. Like in front of the crowd, <laughs> there was like if my voice had ever gotten me laid, and I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, I'm I'm telling you, you could charge, you could charge for some phone stuff. I'm oh, just saying. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm, I'm like, up the, the glass just, eyeballs. Just in case you ever need a side hustle. <laughs> All right. You ever need a side hustle? Something to think about. <laughs> I mean, like, you can do it. I mean, ain't no shame. Ain't no shame in the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think I can keep a straight face. Like it's not that I like it's like somebody would have to be feeding me something. I'm like so fucking awkward. Like we're getting like a little bit personal now. But I've had those moments where I'm like in bed and I'm like, Why are we doing this? And I just like start laughing and they're like, We're trying to be sexy now. Can we can we stop like laughing about the absurdity of this all? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, hey, we actually, we actually like, have oh, a, yeah, we actually you know, have, I like it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we actually have a, we have a caller, we have a caller on the line. Uh, six, six, one. Yo. Yo, it's Ogma. What's good? Hey. Oh, what's going on, man? <laughs> nah, nothing. Uh, I just wanted to, I had a question for Grit. Um, Me. yeah, man. <laughs> I was just wondering, uh, who your greatest musical influence was hip hop or otherwise like just in, in all of music yeah so this pains me to say but it's I, it's probably Eminem and I mean like uh. if I, I have like I have I'm, okay so I find a lot of his work problematic from like cultural perspective of course but when I was you know whatever 15 I wasn't thinking that deeply about it, and I was listening to a ton of Eminem, and that's like yeah. obviously right around the time I was starting to rap, and so like I just there's so much of his fucking flow in everything I do, and like yeah, I, don't know, I, don't know. I was like there's, there's a lot of artists that like right around that time I was listening to, and like now I hear in, in myself, so like I so also right Marshall's got, my bad, yeah, go ahead, man. Exactly. I also right around that time got Still Matic, which I still love that album, although I don't. That is a great album. That's probably my favorite now oh, album. Yeah, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. It's really, really good. And so like that was one of the first albums that I remember listening to and realizing that rap didn't have to all be about money, basically. And like, I, in particular, uh, the song on on that album Rules. Like I remember that song having like a real big effect on me. I was like, holy shit, he's saying something positive about the world and like moving humanity forward like I remember wanting to do right. that at like whatever it was 16 I mean not even it must have been younger than that that album came out in like what 2001 so um so yeah so who would well, you, you say yeah. who would you say is your biggest influence outside of hip hop uh Lennon I mean I I so I oh, okay. listen to anything but hip-hop for a long time. And one of the first things that moved me out of hip-hop was the Beatles. Um, uh, and I was huge into them for a while, and that's where, like, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that I experiment with comes from. So, like, as an example, uh, on Head in the Cloud, on um, Magrathea, or Tatooine, Tatooine slash Magrathea, um, if you listen, there are, like, these weird, like, backmasked clips that come up in it every once in a while. 
And what that is, what those are, are I took a, a I took the the track, the final version of the track, and then reversed it and mixed that back in at points. So it's like playing actually backwards over itself, and then I, I fucked with the volume so that you can hear it. And the reason I did that is because the fucking Me too. Please link me up to that shit, dog. The Beatles did that on a song, and I was like, that is so effing cool. They did that on uh, uh, Blue Jay Way, I think it is. Yeah, and I was like, that is friggin' awesome. I need to to try that. And so there's like a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, that's an interesting style or technique. I wonder if I could pull that off. And like the same thing with with, um, uh, Meta Rap. Again, we were talking about this earlier. It's got that like weird section of like triplets in it. And I did that because I was listening to uh, We Can Work It Out, which, you know, has that has that moment, there's a couple moments of that song where they're like in 4-4 four, four time and, and like they just switch it like that so I was like, I bet I could do that and so yeah, I, I really I really appreciate also like just in general, the way that the Beatles use the studio as an instrument so like in addition to having you know their, their, these really, really powerful well-written songs they were like right at the advent of like multi-tracking and like all of these effects. So they were like able to experiment and just use serendipity like that to, to like make Hell yeah. interesting sounds. And so yeah, yeah. I, like I, the I sound doing sounded that, so. so full, like you were in the room in a lot of tracks. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. They they did they did a lot of really really cool things that pretty much everyone in music is still doing. So I mean like they're they created like doubling like auto doubling which is like chorusing. Which, like, what song doesn't have that now? So, like, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Lennon was just like, I'm tired of singing my own backing, double, my own backing vocals, so fix it. And, and then suddenly, of course. <laughs> like, what? Anyway. So, probably the Beatles. I also, like, really like Dark Side of the Moon, so that's another album that I've, like, that I've, like, mined for. <gasps> Oh hell oh, yeah! Yes, yes, Dark Side of the Moon. I love that yeah. album. Yeah, yeah. And the, okay, That's the first time I listened to was at Laser Floyd at a planetarium, and I was high because everyone who goes to Laser Floyd at a planetarium is high. You and have so, to yeah. be. <laughs> 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 it's like a What? I'm saying it's like a requirement. You got to be blitted if you oh, yeah. like it. <laughs> oh yeah, we got there. I remember I was there with a friend, and we were standing in line waiting to get to the planetarium. We looked around, and we were like, "Wow, all of these people are very clearly high. Every single person, <laughs> like all of them." The fuckers trying to like catch the the lasers and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, word up. That's the only question I had. I'll let y'all get back to it. All right. Peace. Yeah, How's you? Thanks for calling in, man. <laughs> Thanks for calling the homie. Just, uh, I can put him on uh, on a, a mute there. Um, well, shit. All right. Well, um, well, how can? Well, okay. What can? What can we expect in the future? I guess you know. Any touring? Any shows? Uh-huh. Anything? Uh-huh. Anything great? Oh, anything totally good planned for you know 2014? Oh, of course. No. Um. So yeah, I've got a, so much stuff. I've, I'm actually like trying to plan a show, which is a new realm for me. I've never done it before. Um, I would love to tour, but realistically, it's probably not going to happen, just because it's a prohibitively expensive, and b I have a day job. Um, 
I would also really like to film a video, but I, again, that's something like I just kind of have a notion that I'd like to do it. Um, I'm honestly, I'm already thinking about the next album. I've started, I've started talking to producers about it. I've got, I've got ideas, and um, yeah, so it's it's really difficult for. Me. Well, okay, so this is there's you know the good the good side of of being a huge independent musician, which is like not not huge in that I'm like supremely popular, but just being like very very independent. But so the good side is like I get to completely control everything, and the bad side is I have to completely control everything. Control everything. So that's kind yep. Of, yeah. <laughs> and so like on one hand, it's great that I have like my hands in it, but on the other hand, like there's a lot of shit that as an artist I just don't want to do. Like I'm not a marketing person. I don't want to have to do that. You know, I'm not. But at some level, like if I want that stuff done, if I want to show, if I want to have a video, I have to be coordinating it myself personally. It's not going to just happen. So, um, so yeah, I, I really have to balance that against wanting to just like just move on to the next album, throw all of this into the past, and then you know get back into the studio, which is what I like really enjoy doing is like working in the studio and crafting songs. But you know, to some degree, I, I, could, make, I could make the best, perfect five-star album on the planet, and if I don't push it a little bit, if I don't do some of that extra stuff that I don't want to do, nobody's going to hear it, and it's not going to matter. So, yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, I, I've got plans. I've got so so many plans. My dreams are bigger than this apartment. <laughs> I contain multitudes. Um, <laughs> so I, are you, do you still do slams at all? Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Oh, God, it's fucking slam poetry. Um, I was so <laughs> burnt out on it for a while. And so I, I basically quit from like, for like a good five or six months in the last year in 2013. And then, uh, the national poetry slam was in Boston or in Cambridge technically this year or last year again. Um, and so I went to that, and oh my god, I remember, I was like, oh, these are all my friends, I love this community so much, I'm still super burnt out on the poetry, but I love this community, and so, just like, that feeling of acceptance and like, you know, like, belonging got me to come back out to slams, and so I'm still not super stoked, <laughs> stoked on it as an art form, but I figure if I'm going to be around, I might as well write, so... Yeah, I've been I've been slamming around the, the Boston Cambridge area. I've qualified for the finals process for four teams now. Two, three, one, two, three, yeah, four four teams. Um, those start this month. Um, and oh God, I gotta write. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm I'm doing that. It's just like I don't know. That's not that's not my baby anymore. I'm like. I'm super excited <laughs> about the art. I'm like peripherally excited about the slam. <laughs> or the, the music, I'm sorry. I'm super excited about rap and music and I'm like peripherally excited about slam poetry. Hey, cuz I was going I I was going to actually meant to ask you earlier, you know, um, you know, I remember there was there was a poem on Grass Nap. I think was it the yeah. I think it was Hug poem. I think. Oh my god. Yeah, and I was I was kind of, you know, wondering, you know, hey, you know, you know, there weren't, there wasn't really, any, there wasn't any poetry on Head yeah. in the Clouds, and I no, don't I gotta, I remember. Do I don't think so on Ansible. I don't no. think so. No. Here, so all you of know, the, going uh, there. But so all of the, uh, all of the Ansible is punctuated by these clips of, um, you know, people talking. Um, 
And so all of those are, are taken from interviews I did with some of my, my poetry friends. So all of those people are poets, basically. Literally, all of them are poets. Um, but no, I haven't, I haven't put any of my poems on there. I don't know why I put the hug poem on there, honestly. I think it just kind of felt... So like the second half of, of Grassnap is like all love songs. Um, kind of. Uh, and they're arranged... Almost, yeah. yeah. They're, they're arranged vaguely in this like arc from like meeting to the breakup. And I think I just felt like the hug poem fit in that arc. Um, yeah, no. I, I like I look back at that poem so embarrassed now. <laughs> like, <laughs> so bad. And I'm like I'm very, very hard on my own art. Which is why like I don't want I, I urge people to not take it lightly when I say like I really think Ansible is good because like I don't say that lightly about my own work. I hate like a huge portion of my shit. And so, like, I look back on on all everything I was writing in that era. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> like, I thought that was a good <laughs> idea. No. I mean, I, I, I and I can totally understand because you know I'm yeah. I'm working on my own project right now, and like, that's yeah. part of the reason I haven't put it out is because something will be great, and then you know you'll revisit it later, and you're like, man, yeah. this fucking sucks. All right, I need to need to yeah. redo this. Yeah. <laughs> Need to rewrite this. I need to have to check yourself. And like I've got. So I do that with my writing. Combat that. Yeah. One one thing I do to combat that is just I, I keep people around me who are like supportive but honest. You know. So like I, I want somebody who wants me to put stuff out and wants me to not be overly critical on myself, but also will tell me if something sucks. You know. Right. It's a, a difficult thing to find, but. So valuable when you can, and so yeah, I have, I have, especially because like a lot of my friends are artists in their own right. Uh, I've got, I've definitely got friends like I'll play stuff for, be like, is this good? Am I wrong? I'm, I'm about to scrap this. Should I scrap this? Yeah. yeah, those are good friends to have. Like, yeah, there's so many people who they don't want to hurt your feelings, so they'll just kind of blow smoke up your ass and be like, oh, you're amazing. Like, you're so great. Yeah. And helpful. those kind of, the, they the don't understand token, that's not helpful. Yeah, but by the same token, there are also a lot of artists who say, what do you think of this? And really mean, will you validate me? And so right. I've, I've said to people, you know, like at, at open mics mostly, like they'll get up and they'll do a poem and they'll come back and say, what do you think of that? And I, I've said to people directly, are you looking for criticism or validation? Because, I mean, if you're just looking for validation, that's, that's fine. I think that you, I can tell you the things that I liked about it. But if you want me to, like, actually dissect it, then that's going to, A, take me some more time, and, B, it might hurt your feelings. You need to be prepared for that. And so, like, yeah. Although I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that that's kind of a, <laughs> a harsh way to say that to people. So my new thing is, uh, <laughs> I, stole this from, I stole this from the Slam Master at Boston, but my new thing is, what kind of critique are you looking for? And very often their answer to that question is, is like, very telling. So, like, if they say, well, I just wanted to know if you like it, then you can say, yeah, I like it, and move on. Whereas if they say, well, I think that I'm having trouble with the internal line in the third stanza, then you've actually got some problems. So. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right, I had uh, one more question. Someone asked me on Facebook. Uh, I kind of wish we had called in Everett so you could ask the man yourself, but he wants to know. He wants to know if you'll sing Chocolate Rain. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> a thousand times no. That's just not happening. And mostly, here's the thing. It's like, if if you guys were in the room with me, that might happen, maybe, like, just to humor you. But, like, not in a form that's going to exist on the Internet forever. 
<laughs> like, no, I don't want, I don't want like three years down the road, I'm looking for a job, and my boss, my my employer, googles me and finds like this weird clip of me singing Chocolate Rain. That's not what like I want with my life. So no. Your voice, <laughs> man, it's doing it's doing things to people. Although, there it is. Like, there's probably a lot of incriminating things about me on the internet already. So. <laughs> I'm saying, it's man, totally you quit that day job and start doing some voiceover work. I thought about uh, it. Uh, I mean, no, no, no. no, no. He, has a, he has a good day job. I, I don't think he's going to be quitting that. Yo, what tears me up about <laughs> voiceover work, it's like I'm so certain that as soon as I do that, I'll get, like, a commission to do a voiceover for something I just can't stand. And, like, I've got such, like, an overactive moral conscience that it's, like, it's difficult for me to do, to do any work where I'm, like, pitching other people's products. I'm like, what if, you know, like, what if Kevin Trudeau offers me 50 grand to do a voiceover for his book? Like, now I'm torn. Like, now it's, <laughs> like, now it's a, a year of eating or, <laughs> or my morals. And, like, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in that position. So. Or yeah, even, like, I mean, you like, put yourself in that position that. daily, like, I think though. this movie, I think this movie is kind of exploitative and, Kind of exploitative, but it's on the line. I find it a little problematic, but maybe I'm being oversensitive. Can I really do a voiceover for the trailer? And like, if you if you start, I, I feel like what will probably happen is if I start turning down jobs that are on the line over moral reasons, then I'm very quickly going to become considered unreliable, you know. And so, right. I, I I'm such a cynic. Like I, I've thought about it, and I've concluded that only the worst possible outcome will happen. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Oh crap! Oh, that's no good. Um, right, have a, where has the time gone? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have uh, about uh, about ten about ten minutes left. Uh, anyone wants to ask for anything? There's one guy who's been in the chat asking how come we haven't asked you about what we were talking about in the last hour just yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, we were supposed to do that. Yeah. I mean, I I, I tuned I in mean, like at like 8:45 and I think you guys were talking about Kitty Genovese, right? About the uh, who was, was uh, attacked in New York and was like in Freakonomics. No, 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 yeah. no. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Where are we? Okay. Yeah, that's I, I told mean, that's what I was telling you when you said you were going to google it. I was like it was in Freakonomics that case. Yeah. That oh, yeah. I was talking yeah. about. Okay. So here's what that I know about that case. And I, I was like, I was like trying to, I love Freakonomics, by the way. Okay, so, so I've read yeah, Freakonomics and the, and the sequel to it. I know that, I've, I've also been told, though, that those guys are like, like very, very conser- conservative libertarians who are like well-known for making kind of borderline comments, which makes me reconsider some of their stances on like abortion. Oh, see, now you've tarnished it for me. I know, I know I have, and I had to. Because <laughs> I, know about I didn't Pini know Genovese. that. <laughs> yeah, so Pini Genovese is one of those stories that, like, I've read a ton of pop science books, and there are, like, there's, like, a set of five things that every pop science book talks about, like, Kitty Genovese, Phineas Gage, autism, and, like, all of them make different points, but with the, <laughs> with the same anecdotes. Um, so the thing about Kitty Genovese is that that story got put, like, the reason it's famous is basically because that she got killed and then 
there, there was a like a New York Times article like the you know in like two weeks or something that started with this this line about her you know being killed and like all of these bystanders doing nothing and it like cemented that idea of it in people's heads. Um, somebody so what I read though was that somebody actually like went back and did research about like what actually happened in, in the case and like went back to the place where it happened and kind of tried to reconstruct it. And it, it's not like as it's not. I mean, it's still horrifying. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as blatant as as when people tell that story. Like people just looked out their window and watched while nothing happened. Like the attacks <laughs> took place. Like you know, she was like attacked like three separate times over the course of an hour, and they were in like three different parts of this kind of complex, which meant that there really wasn't any person who saw the whole thing happen. You know, like it wasn't like somebody watched her be attacked for this for this hour. And like okay. about it. It was it was more like somebody was looking out the window and saw maybe something suspicious happening and didn't and actually now that I think about it, holy shit. Wow, this is like all flooding back to me. But I'm pretty sure I what I read is that people did fucking call the cops. Hang on, I need to search for this now. See, <laughs> when you say things when you say things in that voice, it just sounds like you know everything that you're talking about. Right. <laughs> it's so helpful. I can have it. This really helps me at work. I'm like, I will have it done by Thursday. I don't know. I guess. Oh, oh, Thursday, right? Yeah, it uh, sounds. It sounds like everything you say is the truth. So, I believe. Pretty, you. Like, I feel like I read that. I'm not, I, is there? Are there? Is there like a, a page or something? Because I like, I feel awkward like just saying things. Like I'm supposed to be a skeptic, and just, I, I feel awkward just like throwing things out with no backing backing at all. So would it be, is there like a place that I can... Uh, yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a chat room. <laughs> okay, because what, what I'd like to do is like actually do some research and like see if I can find the article that I read about it. And uh, Yeah, what you're it, saying sounds familiar though, because I read the book yeah. too. I read both books and what you're saying sounds familiar like I just couldn't remember it all. So your voice is bringing it back to me. Here we go. <laughs> 2007 study found that most of the... Here we go, here it is. It's, it's right. Yeah, it's right in the Wikipedia page. It's right. It's right in the Wikipedia page. So let me let me post this. Okay. How do I get back to it? All right. Uh, what, what time is it? All right. We have about about uh, six minutes left, and I wanted to. Uh, I definitely wanted. I wanted to play. I wanted to play check me to end the show. But before we get to the end of the show or anything. Um, you want to give uh, one final sales pitch to anyone who's listening? Oh yeah, I don't even think we've done that <laughs> done that yet, man. I can't well, believe how fast this hour went. I've like just been chatting with you guys. It's great. Um, yeah, so please buy Ansible. I would appreciate it. Uh, it's you can go to glasseyeballs.com and order physical copies. Um, got a deluxe package that comes with some goodies. Uh, otherwise, the album is eleven ninety nine. Um, it's on iTunes and Google Play now. Technically, it doesn't come out till next Tuesday, but it's on those places already, so you can totally go get digital copies of it. Um, I would really appreciate it. Um, I'm also not a super hard person to reach, so if you just go to Glass Eyeballs or my Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com slash glass eyeballs, I've got Google Plus as well. I'm more than happy to respond to questions and messages and posts. I watch those pages all the time. Um, so, yeah, Ansible in stores now. Awesome. Uh, no, you got anything else? Nope, just anything that you, you guys can add? find me at my blog. What? <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. Whatever. Oh, okay. Um, just, just that you guys can find me at my blog, <laughs> loudishness.com, being belligerent and just saying a bunch of stuff that nobody cares about. But, yeah. <laughs> 
You can find me there. (laughs) All righty. Well, Griff, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Hopefully it's been – yeah, we're we're definitely going to have to have you back on. Um, We have a whole bunch of stuff planned. Yeah, so – well, before we're going to end the show, we're going to play uh, the first single from Ansible, which is Check Me. Uh, you want to say anything about the song before we throw this on? Um, anything? Nah. Any cool facts? No. <laughs> okay, what, what, I don't know. What, what cool facts can I talk about on, on uh, Check Me? Uh, okay, so let's, let's say this then. I don't know. I'm just like bullshitting. But, uh, so the, this song has a hook in it that's got like these really loud distorted drums. The reason I did that is because I was listening to a ton of the band Sleigh Bells, which is like this noise pop. And that's kind of what like they're friggin' great, right? I saw them in concert. Yeah, they're really, they're really, they're really, they're, really they're surprisingly good live. Yeah, so they're great. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of where the where the uh, bridge was inspired from. I was like, let me see if I can just get like fucking loud and raucous, and it totally, totally happens. So yeah, and also just you know what? Don't be prejudiced. That's that's the point of this song. Like, think about what you're doing. Check yourself and check me as well. And yeah, so that. Thank you again for having me. I'm like I had a class, so yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, and we're gonna end this with check me. We'll catch you guys in two weeks on the breakbeat. Boom. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty awesome. Oh. Black side ball, mountain bar, kind of star, wandering and counting stars, pondering this talent, art while I'm monitoring this house of cards. But I learned to deal, purpose filled, nervous feel. All of us need to wait, need to pump the brakes and maybe turn the wheel. Curve all the fervency, see sudden passing the test, peel the sticky notes from our faces. Some tax in the flesh, slow the run, catching our breath. Put our cash on the bed that the people around us can actually get this crap through the heads. Look, this is a bigotry epidemic, it's spreading and getting bigger. I figure we should do something to stem it. It's Fucking systemic, it'll consume you if you let it We're set on both sides, but a top too busy fretting Where it's headed, and them same dudes out there screaming How enlightened they are, still ironic homophobia Like gas that they siphon from cars Life is bizarre, I hate that shit, but I'm frightened I'll start, so body check me hard If you ever catch that tripe in my art You catch me being ignorant, then check me Heard me saying something bigger than then check me I take a cheap shot, be direct, and check me Pick your side and select your chest beat Catch me being negative and check me. Heard me saying something prejudiced and check me. If it's race, class, orientation, or sex, be I expect no less. So yes, please check me. Yeah, I know I ain't perfect. I got a lot to learn, only a few tools to work with. So if we sit down and break through the surface, that so we can come around to something that has purpose. I know I've said some awful things to my songs, but it never meant shit till people were singing along. And then I realized I wouldn't be living as long as the words that I recorded and my opinions were wrong. Well, now I can't take it back, but I realize it ain't the way to make it a rap. Cause you either taking a nap or you make an impact. And either way, you could make it to the face of the pack. But I know now what I can and cannot live with. If it's candor, it's a gimmick or make my family feel diminished. And the truth is, I've actually got no plans to be timid, but who's gonna do that for me whenever I'm the man who did it? You catch me being ignorant, then check me. Yeah. Heard me saying something bigger than check me. I take a cheap shot, be direct, and check me. Pick your side and select your chest uh-huh. beat. Uh-huh. You catch me being negative, then check me. Heard me saying right something now. prejudiced, then check me. I need to great class orientation, a sex beat. I expect no less, so yes, please check me. Time to support any figures, even if they're talented. 
Even though my heathen with an evil tongue, though Just still learning to see the love, beat the drums of freedom Speaking up, don't wanna eat and run I just wanna see the progress of the people speeding up I know, I'm so privileged, it's ridiculous True indeed, a tall, light-skinned, straight American man with two degrees Make no excuse for me, I deserve your scrutiny When I say something stupid, pretty foolishly trying to sound cool on beef Oh, now you want beef? Homie, it's just as well You wanna get to the meat of the coconut, you gotta bust the shell You wanna make an omelet? You gotta break some eggs you wanna really understand the wine, you gotta taste the dregs Nothing I say is meant as an attack, taking baby steps Chew on that like a raisin net, then pay respects Put it this way instead, everything I'm saying to you should help you to change and improve And I hope you do the same for a dude You catch me being ignorant, then check me right. Heard me saying something bigger, then check me right. I take a cheap shot, be direct, and check me uh-huh. Uh-huh. Pick your side uh-huh. and select uh-huh. your chest yeah. You catch me being negative, then check me Heard me saying something
Wait, you still got that's, Apollo that's still Apollo. up? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so anyway, I'm about to I'm about to just go ahead and end the show. Like I said, you did great. It was, you were phenomenal. You know. Thank you. I mean, I was trying, part of the reason I kept telling you like I kept typing like jump in because Kim Kim normally like when there's two of us on the show like Kim like wants participation from both, and so I was, yeah. like, I was like, hey, say something, talk. <laughs> yeah, like so I, was, like, I really didn't in. like. When you were talking about the album, I just wanted to let you kind of do that at first because, like, I listened to the album, but I don't, I don't know his catalog and his back work like you do. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm going to let him do that, and then I'm going to ask my questions and, and jump back in <laughs> after he answers that. And his voice was so amazing. Like, I was just listening. That's what I'm saying. I felt like, like I was listening to a documentary or something. Right, right. Like when my my ex, like well, my ex who was best friend, my my ex who was like best friends with his ex. Um, like I like when me and her were talking, I'd be like, yo, like how did he not get like he had to get late in college off his voice, right? Like that happened, right? <laughs> uh, I don't Everyone know. Everyone he sounds but... like the Humpty 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 Hump rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that she used to. <laughs> I look funny, but you're. <laughs> yeah. No, grip is dog. Look, grip works. Look, listen, listen, and, and I'm I, I I didn't want to put him out there on I I didn't want to put him on blast on the show, but this nigga works at uh, Google. Oh my God! Really? Yes. Look, when he when that he finished is, oh when, like, when, he, when he finished school, he had two. This man had offers from Google and from Microsoft. And he oh my oh works, my God! He works at Google. Yeah. And does he donate sperm by any chance? You <laughs> 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 might. These things I need to know. <laughs> I'll tell you in a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, um, can you put him on a conference call? I need to. I need to talk to this man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we can, we can, we can go. Let's, we can do a Google Hangout. Okay. Wait, I don't know how to use Google Hangouts. I told you that. I don't know. Stop. How do I? How do I do that? Uh, do you have a webcam? Oh, obviously you do. Damn, I'm stupid. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was kind of dumb. Uh, do you have a you have a Google Plus? Do you have a Google Plus account? Do what? I said, do you have a Google Plus account? Yeah. All? Yeah. Oh okay. my god. Uh, you have to add him. You have to add him on there. He just put his email in the chat. Uh. And then we'll just have we'll just have to start that up. Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, here's what I'll do. I'm gonna go ahead and end the show, and we'll just talk on through the chat. And okay. We'll go from we'll go from there. Oh wait. Okay. So what? Wait. What? Wait. The phone chat. 
Yeah, no, no. I'm gonna no. We're gonna talk on Facebook because that's where uh, we're that's where all three of us are. I'm gonna go ahead and end the show. You know, because okay. we're still. I mean, we're still on here. This is all being recorded. Recorded, by the way. So, okay, yeah. so you said we're gonna talk in the message. Are we going to Google Hangouts or no? Yeah, yeah. We can do. I think he said Google Hangout or I guess he has Skype too. Actually, I mean, if you want to Skype him, that'd be cool. I, will all three of us be able to Skype or just the two of us? I don't know. I'm only so well-versed in technology, okay? <laughs> I, I think you can. I think you can. I, I know Skype had a three-way feature. I don't I don't remember. Um, we can do the Hangout else, thing, but you just got to give me a step-by-step. Okay, we can do that. Okay. Which I need to learn how to use it anyway, so... All right, should I hang up? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get off. We're gonna we're gonna hang up. Okay. We're gonna end the episode. We're in, we're doing it live. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm gonna hang up now. This is what we doing the break beat, son. And if if anyone is is still listening to this, well, yes. awesome. But sex. Um, Stop it. So we're just gonna. <laughs> I just start doing. I should start doing a random. I should just start doing like a random rap shout out to like obscure or dirty things. We like with a shout out to the cream pie or something. I don't know. I'm just being random. Let me stop before I get myself All right. fired. All right, we're gonna hop <laughs> off this bitch. All right, All right. bye bye. <laughs> Goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. I'm gonna see you on the. I'm